Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. The early years of a child's life are a critical developmental period. The interactions a child has with the adults in these early years can shape how they develop, perceive themselves, and also how they will interact with others throughout their life. Understanding the research in the field of child development is an important part of developing the strategies and approaches that have the most beneficial impact on a child. In this episode, we will discuss best practices informed by the latest research in how to connect with young children and provide quality feedback in what Dr. Shimamura refers to as unconditional parenting. Dr. Hanako Shimamura is a child development specialist with a PhD in education from the University of Oxford. She has been involved in the field of early childhood education, especially Montessori education, for the past 15 years. Her first book, How to Provide Connecting Feedback to Children, was published in April of 2020 and is ranked number one in the early childhood education category on Amazon in Japan. Hannah's expertise and empathetic approach to learning has had great impact among parents. Her online seminars, helping parents to understand how to connect with their young children in a more effective manner, has been incredibly popular. Her online seminar, helping parents understand how to connect with their young children in a more effective manner, has been incredibly popular. Hannah is currently a full-time faculty member in the Early Childhood Education Program at Lethbridge College, Alberta, in Canada. Thank you very much, Hannah, for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. So to start the conversation, can you first please give me a little bit of background on your research? So my research focuses on evaluating quality of early childhood education programs, such as Montessori education and the Reggio Emilia approach and its impact on the development of children's executive functions, social emotional skills and emergent academic competence. And I'm also interested in examining relational quality between adults and children, both at home and school. And I worked as a Montessori preschool and kindergarten teacher before pursuing my graduate studies. So this professional experience as an early childhood educator definitely has inspired me to you know, research the impact of different early childhood education programs. And your research has been having great impact through the seminars you're running for parents, which is absolutely fantastic. Can you describe your parenting seminars? Mm-hmm. So this seminar is a series of five two-hour interactive workshops in Zoom and focuses on helping parents to connect with their children in a more effective manner through unconditional parenting. The workshops are built upon empirical evidence that unconditional parenting is critical to establish trusting and healthy relationships between and children, thus promoting optimal development of the children. So what we do is that participants engaged in self-reflection to review their own internal biases and expectations when interacting with the children. So it's really important that adults 
ourselves look internally and reevaluate our image of the child, um, the way children affects how we see them and how we listen to them and how we observe them and how we relate to them. So it determines everything. Um, so the participants also learn um, strategies to communicate with their children effectively through quality feedback and active listening. So for parents practice um, providing more meaningful acknowledgement to their children instead of just simply, you know, giving out or saying empty praise, um, such as good job or well done, you're a superstar, empty praise. That's fantastic and, uh, and definitely a lot to unpack in that. Can you just tell me a little bit about what does reflection look like for a parent? And you say that parents should reflect on their own biases. What, what, mm -hmm. what, what can a parent do in their own, as they're listening to this podcast possibly, to reflect on what their biases are? Mm -hmm. So um, what I ask parents to do is actually a um, 21 day challenge on Facebook. Okay. So they, you know, do journal every single day recording uh, their interactions and conversation with their own child or or children. So they describe what happened in the most objective manner first, mm -hmm. and they're going to reflect, you know, why that conversation maybe provoked, you know, parental sort of emotions or feelings or reactions. And then they're going to dig in deeper why that provoked parents, you know, what was it that really um, triggered that, you know, sort of anger or frustration. And then they're going to look back, what are the fundamental expectations that they actually have for their children, for example, if a child you know, doesn't listen to me immediately and I got really frustrated. So the fundamental maybe hidden biases is that the parents might expect their children to listen immediately, no matter what. But then they might be actually hoping for their children to be independent thinker, to be able to you know, solve problems, but then they would get, but the parents get irritated if they, their children actually, you know, voice their opinions. So they're just trying to figure it out, the gap between the, the reality and expectations and why frustration um, occurs and where it's coming from. So they jot down every single day and then do really ongoing um, dialogue with themselves. So it's incredible to see the effort and, you know, perseverance that the parents actually um, show. That's really interesting. So it's really about unpacking about what made me upset with what my child did today? What was the yep. objective behavior? Why it made me upset? And yes. what was I actually expecting from my child in that? Mm -hmm. So often this isn't unpacked and, mm -hmm. uh, and you react to someone's behavior, but yep. it's really layer, taking off the layers of why and what was I really wanting to cut? That's really interesting. That's a Yeah, that's a absolutely. Good... I mean, everything is just a, piece of information, but how we put meanings to that information is up to our filter. So how we see our world is through how we view, you know, or how we have certain expectations towards others in the world. So we're trying to look into that really inner part in order to really change the, the mindset of the parents. That's wonderful. Oh, that sounds like a really, really important exercise to do. And in terms of quality feedback, you mentioned not to give simple empty praises like good job, well done, you're a superstar. So what exactly should we be saying to children? How do we make that more of a quality feedback? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. So um, this is um, drawn by a study done by um, Duick, Dr. Uh, Professor Duick. She's famous for growth 
mindset. And basically, mm-hmm. what she suggests is that we should give children process feedback, which focuses on efforts and strategies. So mm-hmm. we don't focus on just the simple outcomes of children's behavior or actions. So if a child comes back and then gets, let's say, zero on the math test or whatever, you don't just immediately go, why did you do this? Or, you know, or you just only got zero, you know, what were you thinking? But instead, you could focus on the process. If the child actually made a certain effort, you could definitely mention that I I was seeing that you were making some, you know, efforts, you know, this day and that day. So the importance is that, um, that we observe children, pay attention to them, and really acknowledge what they did well, instead of what they didn't. And also provide concrete feedback is absolutely critical. So if we say good job, children don't, they don't know what they did a good job at. Mm-hmm. They have no idea. So you could even say, well, I refrain from saying good job anyway, but you could say, I could see that you really uh, made an effort in doing this part, or you just, you know, try to apply different strategies in solving this math problems or something like that. Mm. So um, it's critical to be concrete and be specific yes as you can yeah. absolutely no it's so true and be specific about what they're doing rather than who they are not you are a superstar but mm-hmm. you did this particular thing well absolutely which uh that's a really important point thank you so you speak about unconditional parenting so could you tell mm-hmm. me what does that mean what is unconditional parenting i think the words can conjure up uh, different meanings to different people so how do you define that Yes, um, so unconditional parenting can be called as progressive parenting as well, which basically values a democratic approach and focuses on accepting the whole child, including his um, thoughts and feelings or perspectives. So unconditional parents set necessary limits for guiding um, their children's behavior, but they also attend to their children's opinions and perspective as well. So it fundamentally moves away from the traditional carrot and stick approach, which conveys the message of, you know, I love you only when you listen to me and meet my expectations. Unconditional parenting regards our child's point of view and tries to understand a child beyond, you know, just a simple behavior through respectful and mutual dialogue. So there's a lot of talking going on between adults and children. Mm-hmm. So Conditional parenting, unconditional parenting does not use parental love as a means to control child behavior. So for mm-hmm. example, um, unconditional parents will not threat their children by saying, if you don't stop crying, I'll leave you here, or you mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to take you. Um, instead, they might say, I understand that you are very upset. You really wanted me to buy this toy or that toy. I won't be able to buy that but I'm here to hold you until you are ready or as long as you need me. Um, Mm. So unconditional parenting means that parents accept their children as who they are and love them regardless of their actions. Um, Well, because there are many setbacks of conditional parenting. Um, Research suggests that parental use of conditional love as a parenting practice um, predicts their children's resentment um, towards parents, ill-being, and even low Mm self-esteem. So this pattern has been actually also observed over generations as well. So in other words, when children feel that they're loved 
only if they meet parental expectations, they develop unhealthy self-esteem, they feel angry towards parents, and they also act in a similar manner towards their own children when they become parents. So this is something you really should be mindful of. And possibly it's something that, would it be fair to say that possibly parents don't really realize that this is what they're doing because you're saying, I will leave you here. You're not mm. saying, I will leave you and I will never be your parent again. But mm -hmm. is it possible that that's what the child is interpreting? So you're not intending to say, I will drop mm -hmm. you, but maybe that's mm -hmm. how the child is interpreting it. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, oftentimes parents or even, you know, teachers are unconscious when they're using these empty threats um, mm -hmm. as a, as a means of controlling the child behavior. You know, if you eat vegetables, I'll give you ice cream. That's a reward in order to, you know, control child behavior. If you don't clean up a room, I won't, you know, give you any Christmas present. That's a threat. Um, you know, regardless of whether you actually have the intention of not giving Christmas presents or not, but you're using that, um, you know, verbal threats or praise in order to, you know, sort of modify a child's behavior. So um, punishments are, you know, similar in that regards. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then instead, you acknowledge what the child is feeling mm -hmm. and yep. explain the situation and explain yes. what why you are making the decision you're making. So it's not about not being the parent who is leading the mm -hmm. child and raising the child, but is doing it, having that conversation in a very different way. So the child understands yes. why. Is that correct? Absolutely. That is, uh, that is really interesting and a lot of really good tips. Could you tell me in delivering your seminars, you are talking to parents and uh, parents of young children. What is the importance in doing this, delivering these seminars? Um, so many parents tend to use external punishments as a means to discipline their children, whether they are aware of that or not, like we talked earlier. Um, according to actually a study by UCLA, around 70% of parents use timeouts and around 67% of them use yelling as part of their daily um, you know, practices or strategies. So the challenge for parents at heated times when children quote, quote, misbehave is to empathize with their children without using punishments or without withholding love or without implying that the children are not lovable for not displaying the desired or adults' desired behaviors. So the parents must communicate why, you know, like you mentioned earlier, why certain behaviors are not acceptable and set consistent boundaries, but unconditional parenting, they also, you know, convey the message that the parents may be disappointed with their children's specific actions or choice of actions, but not with the children as who they are or as people, and that they're still, you know, the parents are still acknowledging and accepting all feelings and love the children no matter what. So all feelings are welcome, but not all the actions. So that's the message. Okay. And many parenting techniques, you know, including timeouts, um, can cause emotional disconnection between adults and children. When children are throwing tantrums, for example, that's their, you know, cry out for help. That's when they need us the most. Um, so relational quality, you know, how adults build relationship with youngsters is really a powerful factor or influential factor that determines the optimal development of the children, emotional, you know, healthy, um, healthy emotional development. 
So for example, um, positive parent-child relationships have been shown um, to be you know, one of the most powerful um, factors beyond other variables, you know, such as gender, or ethnicity, mm-hmm. IQ, and even child-teacher relationship quality. So it's quite fundamental. And in contrast, when children experience more conflictual relationship with parents, they tend to display you know, lower academic achievement or decreased motivation and more negative social interactions with the peers. So this is quite considerable, you know, what relation, relational quality plays. And it's, um, so it's important that we question our traditional ways of doing things to the children. And instead, we just really have to acquire a new mindset and a skill set in order to work with the children, not mm-hmm. against them. And so the seminar offers just a wealth of, you know, practical strategies and theories as well for shifting from an old paradigm of parenting to treating individual children with, you know, more respect and dignity and loving them unconditionally. So that, that, that's why, you know, doing the seminar is really important to me as well. That sounds amazing. And it is so important, isn't it? I mean, even hearing that, that it is the number one factor that determines a child's life and how how they Mm -hmm. interact in the rest of their life is the relationship they have with the parent and of course every parent wants that for their child and you you were saying that for example when a child throws a tantrum which is a very difficult situation and also very stressful for the parent who might already be very stressed and very busy and you're saying that i understand your feelings but behavior is unacceptable so what does this mean in terms of discipline because everybody can imagine that scenario when the child is in the middle of a store and ensues a tantrum or many other situations, and you want the best type of interaction uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a stressful situation. What does it look like to have that discipline, but at the same time building a good relationship with the child? Number one principle that I always tell you know, parents in my seminar is that you really have to see um, you know, from a child's point of view that you can when the child is throwing tantrum having a meltdown you can actually persuade them with our common sense um, because you know the young children often they live in their right brain so they're just you know occupied by their emotions and feelings so when you explain to them why in a logical manner in that heated moment it just doesn't work at all so what you need to do is really be there for them and then really showing that Yes, it's okay that you're showing these emotions, not necessarily behavior. I understand you're upset. I understand you really want to scream and cry and you accept that. And then you just kind of have to wait until your child is actually able to use their left brain in order to understand the logical consequence. But you need to wait until that sort of like explosion in the right brain actually calms down. Yeah, calms down, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously it might take a long time for a young toddler to calm down. And in that moment, you might have to actually make an executive decision and say, I see that you're very upset and, you know, having a really hard time to make a decision. So I'll make a decision for you now. We're going to leave. And you might just have to hold a child and carry out of the store and then, but be there for that child. Just don't abandon them internally or externally, mm-hmm. right? And be there and listen to them. And when the child calms down, you talk about the incident, why that behavior wasn't acceptable and what the expectations are 
So it's important to come back to that and not yeah, underestimate absolutely. that they have forgotten. Just come back to that experience. Right. Absolutely. I think it's important that you explain the reason behind your own actions and you take responsibility for, as adults, we take responsibilities for our own actions as well as thoughts. Yeah, this continuous dialogue is really, really critical, but then the most important part is that we don't dismiss their feelings or emotions when 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 they burst. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Your reaction is, you know, maybe go against that and then control that behavior or just solve the problem for them. But right. you just have to, yeah, wait. That's really good. Thank you. That's a, a great example on, on some of the strategies. So what are the key things that you would really like parents to understand from these seminars? I mean, you gave some great examples already. But what are the big mm-hmm. things you would like parents to really understand and come away with? So there are a few things, but I would like to talk about two things. Firstly, we just really have to challenge ourselves to see things differently, you know, especially child behavior. I uh, mentioned earlier how we view our children determines you know, everything we do with them or for them. So this clearly requires both self-reflection and behavioral change. So if our internal view of the child transforms, then we can see the same exact act or um, behavior as an opportunity to lead or grow together instead of view as something really irritable or unacceptable. So as a result of this internal shift, which we must really go through, our associated behavior can or will also change from hopefully controlling to more connecting. And second point, so it's really about discovering your child, isn't it? I mean, that point yeah, is really absolutely. about discovering mm-hmm. who this individual is and helping mm-hmm. them discover through their life yes. as well, through the communication, who they are, acknowledging, yes. but also then helping them to behave in a way that... Yes, yeah, absolutely. And adults also, you know, we, we also have to learn who we want to be as adults or as parents or as teachers. You mm-hmm. know, if we don't have the core value of who we are or we don't love ourselves or we don't really accept who we are i don't think we can provide you know children with much you know love mm-hmm. or acceptance so i think it's really fundamental that we do that first right and so maybe you know leading to the second point that we must be our authentic self you know mm-hmm. in order to build a genuine relationship with with our children you know, we're obviously humans, not only with needs and wants, but also with faults and errors. No one, no one, no one is perfect. Just because you have, you know, children, it doesn't make you a great parent. You really have to go through that journey. And the teachers, is, it's the same thing. So it's okay to show children our real humanness and limitations or imperfections. And as Professor Brown, um, Brene Brown said, you know, how we treat ourselves practice self-compassion and embrace our own imperfections will actually teach our children valuable lesson for self-love and self-compassion mm-hmm. as well. So um, I think it's fundamental. It is. And, and in that showing our authentic selves to the children, would you also recommend that you guide through the child what you're experiencing? So to not hide your feelings, not hide your, your experience, but then you're also providing a little bit of guidance on why you're feeling this, how you're feeling it, what does this mean? Would you, yes. would you say that's a good idea? Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I mean, oftentimes, even adults, we sometimes don't really have the language 
um, to express how we're feeling. And if we are having a difficult time, you can imagine what the young you know, mm-hmm. children experience day to day. You know, their vocabulary is really limited. I think it's critical that we provide them with languages to express, you know, what they're feeling. Um, so it, sometimes it might not be true. You know, we say, oh, you were disappointed, but they might be actually feeling really angry. We don't know that. So we don't actually want to impose, you know, what they should be feeling, but we can just provide, you know, sort of a variety of different words to describe it. Just how you're feeling or, you know, when I'm feeling this, this is how I describe myself. So you can definitely be the role model by showing how, you know, you deal with emotions and, you know, feelings. And then you can talk about it with your children as well. So, um, you know, giving yeah, words or language, I think it's critical, you know, when you go to a foreign country, when you don't know, you know, how to read things or how to, you know, understand things around you, you feel really isolated mm. and you feel disconnected from that world. But once you kind of understand, you know, how you read a menu or when the world starts making sense, then you feel ease, you know, at where you are. So I think it's just the same process. That's a great analogy. Yeah, so I think it's a great idea that being a role model, giving them a language to describe feelings, I think it's critical. I wanted to get a little bit into the challenges. And of course, it's a very, very difficult job to be a parent. Uh, But this is also for parents and for caretakers and educators for young children. So adults in children's lives. What do you think are some of the challenges that adults face uh, on how to address children in their lives? What are the challenges that, that you see through, through your work? Like you said, there are so many challenges that parents face every day. Uh, you know, I respect them just so much. I just can't even express how much you know, gratitude and respect that I have for them. But the daily challenges such as social pressure and expectations work, family balance, you know, lack of time in general, and so forth. Um, For women, especially, pressure to be a perfect mother has a considerable negative impact on Mm -hmm. their well-being, you know, Mm -hmm. including the emotional, yeah, exhaustion and increased stress. And at the societal level, a discourse of bias against mothers and structural gender Mm -hmm. inequalities really need to be discussed openly and forwardly in order to reduce social pressure and create a safer and more welcoming space for parents. And in addition to these sort of external societal challenges, you know, parents also deal with internal struggles, including, you know, problem ownership. This means that the parents often feel responsible for solving problems for their children or protect them from experiencing any failures and disappointments you know, because, you know, you want to protect your child from from any, you know, harms. And although, yeah, these setbacks are inevitable in life and often quite necessary, you know, for the children to learn how to become resilient and resourceful and responsible, um, you know, members of the community. So um, it's important that adults, we do not take over children's problem, let alone their thoughts, their emotions. You know, we need to guide them. You know, instead we must trust the children that they are capable learners and come up with their own solutions um, with you know, necessary help. And once we understand you know, who, who owns the problem, then we can become a better facilitator, you know, helping children work through issues more autonomously. And you know, that's what Montessori education is also thriving for. Mm-hmm. You know, choices, you know, teachers and adults are a facilitator. You know, we are here to help and not to take over your life. 
Right. And that is a, that is a huge thing of how to help children uh, deal mm-hmm. with problems. And in entrepreneurship mm-hmm. world and in some of the business world, the slogan of fail often, fail fast is, uh, mm-hmm. is really thrown around a lot because you want to have check-ins and fail at small intervals, not at the end of a big project. You want it to happen right. in, in the beginnings of a project. And the same thing for a child. You want them to mm-hmm. learn what it's like to fail and to pick yourself up and try again mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. stakes are not as high, when they're very young and not when they're mm-hmm. an adult and has never really failed and overcome mm-hmm. that on their own before. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is very, very hard to see a little mm-hmm. child do that. And of course, mm-hmm. when you say they need to own the problem and you need to help mm-hmm. them to do that, mm-hmm. I know you don't mean that you know you should look the other way and say, well, there you go. It's up to you. How can a, an adult help the child work through their problems at that early, early age? Uh, so one of the strategies that I um, you know, teach parents to do is active listening. So that's suggested by uh, Dr. Gordon, who um, came up with the effective parenting practice. So active listening is just a really good way of tackling this problem. So what adults do is basically you do a very attentive listening without criticizing, with, without, you know, giving, you know, unwanted advice all of a sudden or without dismissing. So you, again, you create a space where children actually want to talk about, you know, what happened, you know, their day or, you know, what happened at school and so forth. So you really accept what happened that day, you accept feelings or, you know, emotions and thoughts, and then you just kind of give back to them. So what would you like to do in this situation? Or, you know, this is how I feel, but what would you think? Or, you know, what are the, the, you know, different ways that you could potentially do in order to tackle this problem? So you just kind of create a space of dialogue basically mm-hmm. and, and when children know that they're not going to be criticized for their mistakes or they're not you know going to be disappointed by parents by making you know mistakes or um, doing something that they maybe didn't you know want to do but if they know that they will be accepted no matter what then they would um, actually come to you and then they would talk to you um, mm-hmm. about problems and then that's just a, a chance where you can again have a mutual respectful conversation but that's one of the things that that i recommend that's a really scaffolding through it and when you see a danger zone then questioning around it raising Mm -hmm. the questions for them to really think about yeah things that they might not be thinking about Um, yeah absolutely wow well there's definitely a lot of course this is a topic that we can continue talking about for a very long time, but I really appreciate you sharing your insights and so many really great tips and ways to think about it and on how to help parents reflect on their practice and talk to their, their young children and not just parents, but all, all adults with young children uh, that, they're, that they're taking care of. And uh, that's very, very important. So it's a huge topic, but to close mm-hmm. off, I would really like to ask for your recommendation to our listeners, something that inspires you, something that you think would be interesting. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend a book by Alfie Kohn. It's called Punished by Rewards. So it's a book. Um, It's published around 1993, but addresses what, you know, we have discussed basically. It addresses the fundamental problems of, you know, our traditional reward and punishment system, including goals, you know, stars and stickers, and even, you know, good job basically. So if you have an old habit 
of using external reinforcements to reward or punish child behavior. This book will really provide you with um, in-depth ideas of how that can backfire and also diminish you know, children's intrinsic motivation and how we can actually move away from that. So it's, a, it's an excellent book and it has definitely inspired uh, my research as well. So I highly recommend that. Great. Well, thank you very much, Hannah. I appreciate your time and your expertise on this very important topic. Thank you.